It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And we are talking about week six of college football. Week six. So now is the time where it starts to get confusing for me, where I confuse what week it is in the NFL and what week it is in college because college is one week ahead of the NFL. And so I go to look up players' stat lines, and I'm like, week five, NCAA weekly stats. And I'm like, this looks a lot like last week's <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> so I mean, th- that's where we're at. It, it's even more confusing now that we have an entire segment of our weekly programming devoted <laughs> to the NFL. So now yeah. it's like we're talking about week six. But also, we're talking about week five. Right. But we're, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to include anything about that in the title because that pretty soon it's week. like the week six college football and week five NFL. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. This is a college football program first and foremost. Week so, five point five. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but on the topic of college football and what we come here for every single week, which is the 2024 campers, Colin, we flipped the almighty coin again this week. And once again, heads prevails as it normally does. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Okay. I won. The toss is what I'm saying, and it is an honor for me to come to this program and give Trey Benson the first badge of week six. Trey Benson is honestly, up till this point, not having his best stuff through five weeks uh we were getting i think a little bit close to maybe even making a phone call for trey benson but this week he gets the don't touch that dial badge because the phone call is long gone this was an 11 carry 200 yard two touchdown performance and he became the first Florida State player to rush for 200 yards in a game since Dalvin Cook. What a pull, Dalvin Cook. You know, he's been chasing the Florida State days ever since he got into the league. He's, you know, the single-digit numbers, uh, the number four. He's been wanting to get back to number four since he got back into the league. He went to number four for like a year in Minnesota and then went to the Jets, and now he's number 33 again. I can't, I just can't imagine how that feels. <laughs> it's a rough story. For I him. remember the saga where he's like, I really want to switch to number four, but I'd have to buy out all the number 33 jerseys, and I can't do that. You know, that's just too much money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then eventually he did it anyway. But Trey Benson, I want him to touch the football more because uh, the good things tend to happen. Uh, he had a 62-yard and an 85-yard touchdown in this game, which is just bonkers. Uh, and, I mean, a lot of it was very good O-line play. He had some crystal clear holes in this. Uh, but he also, I mean, just 
eliminated some angles in this game where like the safety is you would think being 15 deep is fine and then taking the angle and Trey Benson just see you later and I'm, I'm going on that uh 85 yard touchdown a 62 yard one he stiff arms the guy that's behind him and yeah a lot of a lot of fun seeing Trey Benson get back to get to I guess where we want him to be because like you said he's been pretty unremarkable he's had some okay games uh notably week two against Southern Miss which we I'm pretty sure talked about in week two I think we gave him a badge we gave him a badge yep. yeah uh so outside of that it's been pretty pedestrian I'd say yeah and I mean that's that's all part of it right is like we we track kind of through the season here we're handing out badges we're looking at production how well are you performing when it comes time to think about what does this running back class look like? I mean, this was my RB one going into the year at that point in time. I thought it was very clear cut based on the 2022 film that this was the best running back in this class. But uh, as we've talked about with a handful of these other top running backs, it has not been smooth sailing in terms of week-to-week production for these players. So it's going to become very interesting to find out after the season, once we start diving into the tape, really analyzing what were these players looking like this year? What was going on? What were the reasons for the production? Was it regression as a player? Were there extraneous factors? For Benson, I'm very curious to find out what is the root of the lack of production that he's had, but This week was a huge reminder of the sort of player that he can be. And I like that you call out the angle breaking in this game because where Trey Benson really made his money uh, last season was as an elusive player, a player that could break tackles at a rate that exceeded pretty much anybody else in college football. We haven't seen that level of play from him this year with the missed tackles and the yards after contact, both of those things are down pretty significantly compared to last year. But what you saw in this game was another dimension to Benson's game, which is speed. He's playing Virginia tech. Obviously these aren't world-class athletes that he's playing against, but it's, you know, he had legitimate burst, legitimate speed uh, on those runs in this game. And that's another uh, tool that he has in this wide arsenal of tools uh, at his disposal. And I want to shout out Keandre Jones. Is that name familiar to you? Please educate me. Uh, Florida State's left guard. Mm. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think I have his jersey. <laughs> he, he pulled on the 85-yard uh, touchdown and just decimated somebody. And I just wanted to, you know, give a shout out to the big boys. We don't really get into that very much here. Uh, and also, you know, if you take out the 62 yard and the 85 yard touchdown, he just had an okay game. You know, it was <laughs> only 53 yards. No, we don't get to play that game here. <laughs> no, I, I was actually, I have on here rant about removing big plays for predictive measures. Cause, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what people do. They'll be like, well, you know, if you take the big plays out, then you can see how a player actually performs. It's like, yeah, but 
the big plays are part he's of the player creating the big yeah. plays. <laughs> yeah that's why he's good is because he makes the big plays but yeah. uh i mean if if he's going to be putting up this kind of bonkers production on low volume i'd like to see what he can do on high volume but Florida state's doing okay so you know i won't be that guy but i'd like to see some more trey benson yeah it's working for them we'll find out if how much the NFL cares about the split of carries and the workload that Benson has had for the last two years. But another thing I do want to shout out real quick is last two games, including this one, three catches a piece for Trey Benson. They are getting him a little bit more involved in the passing game, which is something that we wanted to see from this team going into the year. Last week, he had three catches for 50 yards this week it was only three for 15, but we see him getting a little bit more involved. They're getting him into space, letting him make plays. And his big play against Clemson came on a pass. So uh, it's nice to see that as well. And like you said, we want to see him get involved. That's because he only had 12 catches combined in his last two years at Oregon and his first year at Florida State. And he already has nine so far this year. So getting involved early and often hopefully that stays true for the rest of the season well colin we've been talking about a lot of the big players what catching the ball pass catching i feel like there's a natural segue right there i you know what (laughs) i'm gonna get better i promise i just i got like the excitement a gleam in my eyes when i saw the next name on our list and i got a little bit carried away because we are talking about mr 101 of the 2024 class because nothing has changed and we saw why this week I mean, it's always a pleasure when we get to call Marvin Harrison Jr. up to give him a badge. Uh, And, man, he just, he's so good. This is, he's running these crisp routes. So, what, what he did to Maryland was a clinic of variety. He ran these curl routes to the inside on both sides of the ball. And the DBs just stood no chance on the route and then after the route because Marvin Harrison would go hit the curl, catch the ball, and then make them miss. It's like this this guy that's lined up across from him just literally never touches them the entire play. And then you go and it's like a 15-yard play every time. This just little pitch and catch. Uh, and then the, the big play of the day was – a big post that he ran and got over the top and he's four yards separated from this DB and he basically has to just sit and wait on it from McCord and he's just like essentially like fielding a punt while a gunner's coming after him and then he catches this ball and goes down uh so Marvin Harrison Jr. is getting the separator badge of course Uh, And then he also had another huge highlight on a 40-yard catch where he makes this, I mean, I don't know how high the level of difficulty is here, but it's about as high as it gets where he's going over the shoulder with a guy completely blanketed on him and he's tracking the ball, bringing it in, getting the feet down. I mean, 
there's not a better wide receiver that I can think of in college football in the last few years. That play that you just talked about, the over the shoulder, to me that is really the epitome of why this player is so special because take into consideration everything else that he did in this game, all the routes that he ran, the elite levels of separation that he had, and then you throw on top this ability to work the sideline and make ridiculous catches over and over and over against the boundary, understanding space, understanding, you know, I need to keep my feet here. I'm going to adjust to the ball as it's coming over my shoulder with the defender on me and make it look like an easy play. And that really is what makes a player like this, Marvin Harrison Jr., so special. I mean, we're one week removed from this ankle situation, which looked like it we talked about last week might have been a season ending situation and something that would maybe even linger into draft season. Not only did it not cause any sort of an issue, but he comes right out the next week has this monster game. What I think was his best game of the season thus far, all things considered. I mean, he's a freak. He is an absolute freak. And the stat line, eight catches, 163 yards, one touchdown on 13 targets. Uh, the touchdown was honestly the least impressive of his plays where he just ran a little dig and it was a, a zone coverage, found a soft spot and walked in. Um, but, yeah, you, you talked about the ankle injury and people were calling for him to just shut it down for the season. It's like, okay, you know what? We've seen enough. We don't need you to get hurt. But, you know, they take the the bye week and they come out and play Maryland, and here we are with uh, 163 yards. I mean, man, this is going to be a a fun draft pick to turn in come, yeah, whenever you do your draft, come the offseason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's everybody, everybody that's locked in on the 101 or fighting for the 101. They're thinking about this guy right now, just yep. like Bijan last year. You're just waiting to bring this sort of talent to your dynasty team to be a catalyst for a new era. One player alone changing the entire dynamics of, of a roster. That is what we're talking about with this player. I, uh, I'll save it for later. Okay. We got a few. We got a few. Big names, potential roster changers on the list this week. But before we get to some of those names, Colin, the next name on my list is one that we talked about in the summer, but we have not talked about him as of yet through six weeks until right now. That is Malachi Corley, the wide receiver from Western Kentucky. Uh, for those unfamiliar, this is the player that led all of college football last year in yards after the catch, and it was not even remotely <laughs> close. He blew away the entire field uh, in terms of being a playmaker with the ball in his hands. And this season, thus far, it hasn't been statistically, I mean, it hasn't been bad per se, but 
Uh, it hasn't been quite to the level that Malachi Corley displayed last year. However, this was the game where he decided it's time to turn it up a notch. It was eight catches on 12 targets this week for 207 yards and three touchdowns, all of which came the touchdowns in the first half of the game. So this was the a reminder that this is a dude, that this is a real guy. They had a game, uh, Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, on Thursday of last week. So if you're if you're catching all the college football you can and you're tuning into the Thursday games, you probably saw this player maybe for the first time. But he, he I'm starting to warm up to the idea of him being a, a sort of day two NFL pick lock because of what he can do with the ball in his hands. And he's getting the get off me badge this week because <laughs> – 156 yards after the catch, and he was just running through tacklers. Louisiana Tech trying, and that's a loose word, trying to get him to the ground, and he was like, no, you're not getting me down with that effort. This is a 5'11", 210 player. He runs like a running back. He was trucking people. He was getting through arm tackles with ease. He's a dangerous and dynamic player in the open field. And some NFL team, especially in today's league, is going to see this guy and say, what can we do with him? Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, this is a lottery ticket kind of player, I'd say, where you, you get him and your hopes aren't like super high. Like you said, a day two player. And the payoff can be enormous. I mean, the the speed that he has is crazy. Uh, him catching that ball just off of simple mesh where he's just running that drag and then puts the guy in the dirt and then goes the rest of the way to the end zone is crazy. And then he also had the other touchdown where he's got has like a falling down contested catch i mean that was disgusting too so i mean the variety that he's playing with in addition to the massive amounts of yak that he can put up the 156 yards after catch that he puts up in this game is eye-opening to start and it's also you know makes you think a little bit if you you go to the right situation with a coach like you know you look at what these these nfl coaches are doing with the yak guys you look at the the mcdaniels of the world the shanahan's of the world where they're just trying to get their playmakers the ball while they're going full speed and you know see what happens next if he's going to a scheme like that i mean you could see massive return on that so i would like that uh, getting a little ahead of ahead of schedule here, looking at the team fit and scheme fit, but uh, it would be real nice to see a, a team cater to him a little bit and get the ball in his hands and let him go. 
It's getting to that point, though, of the season where you start to th- you, we start, start to look ahead a little bit, getting a little familiarized with these guys. You start to kind of understand who they are. You need to dive into the tape to really get a grasp of it, but it really starts to kind of jump out at you a little bit. And Corley, I mean that we talked about last year. You know, you watch the 2022 film. It's a lot of screens. You know, he, he gets a lot of that yak on those manufactured touches. But in this game, you saw a really diverse, you know, yeah. arsenal from him. And like you said, that the the third touchdown was a down the field shot in traffic, uh, falling to the ground in the end zone. So it's not just a gadget player. It's not just a guy who lets you know get him out on a swing and let him go to work. Like he's got some real skill. He's got some real speed. And uh, yeah, I mean, nineteen. 0.5 yards after the catch per reception in this game nearly 20 yards after the catch each time not too shabby yeah and he's getting double digit targets every game which i love i mean this is a guy that had eight catches 88 yards and a touchdown against ohio state if you are a believer in can he do it against a real team he had a not so bad game against ohio state so amen all right let's talk about another one of those potential franchise altering pieces we might be there with this player i mean we a couple weeks in a row now this makes it three weeks in a row where brock bowers has put up some crazy stat lines and uh last week talked about the look ma one hand you know he's making the the crazy catches uh, this one we're going with the smoke and mirrors badge for Brock and Bauer, Brock Bowers, Brock and Bowers with Brock, smoke and mirrors. The, the, the double, <laughs> the dynamic duo. Uh, Brock Bowers, he's he's getting open with the scheme, and uh, th- that's gonna make people think that he's not very good. I, I guarantee it that it's like, oh, he's getting schemed open, you know, play action. You don't know why he's able to get open. Austin on these screens on this play action. Why? Because he's a damn good blocker. <laughs> I won't stop talking about it. Cause don't they're what big media is scared to tell you is that Brock Bowers blocks his ass off, which allows him to get a 50 yard reception because he's out here, you know, going fake inside zone and then he can pop out. And they're like, oh, shh, he was supposed to block. <laughs> this is, we're not ready for this. We sent the house, and Carson Beck can just give it to the best playmaker on their offense in space. Uh, so, I mean, in this game, he did a lot of that. A lot of the play-action stuff, the leak-outs, the, the over-routes, the little flat routes, all of that jazz. Uh, but he also had a route where he set up his, his zone – and he drew the zone defender to the inside by giving him a little head fake, popped back out, got the catch in stride, juked out a DB, got an extra 10 yards, uh, and then he also had a touchdown where he got absolutely leveled. But doesn't matter. You know, he's Brock Bowers. He got right up, threw yep. up the biceps, That's said right. hit me again because, yeah. I mean, so first and foremost – uh, this is the third consecutive week that Brock Bowers has at least 120 receiving yards and one touchdown. Yep. 
I mean, we talk about a slow start to the year and everybody forgot already what happened in the, I mean, and, and a slow start for this player was like 120, 130 yards uh, in three games, because that's, he does that in one game we've, we've seen now for three weeks and um, doing it against, as the competition is increasing, obviously at Auburn last week, probably his best game of, of the season and he follows it up with what was probably his second best game of the season against a number 20 ranked opponent in Kentucky that they blew the doors off of. Uh, we're going to continue to make these parallels because in all of my years playing dynasty, there have never been tight end prospects like Brock Bowers and Kyle Pitts, but the blocking aspect is another separator of those two players because Pitts was not this level of a blocker coming out. And Bowers is as talented, if not more talented, as a receiver already than Kyle Pitts was, and he can block. So the evidence starts to mount here that this is, you know, becoming clear that this is the best prospect, the best tight end prospect potentially that we've ever seen, uh, because that was the narrative about Kyle Pitts and, it's a pretty clear case, I think, that this player is better. Um, and we talked about it last week, the impact of, of, you know, what does that mean? Where does he come into Dynasty as, you know, what tight end ranking will he have immediately? I'm running out of, I'm running out of players, you know, like I'm running out of names here, Colin. This he's He's doing everything we hoped he would before the year, and he's cementing himself as – Maybe that uh, that unicorn that comes in as the number one player already. I I don't want to put expectations too high. <laughs> why why not? That's fun. Uh, but I I might agree with you. There there's a world where uh, Brock Bowers again. This is so dependent on a, a, a lot of things from here on out and one of those things is where is he going to be and will they feature a tight end because the one thing that he's going to do is he's going to see the field day one because of the blocking like you said because the excuse that the Kyle Pitts thing can give you is you know, uh, he wasn't ready to block at an NFL level, so he couldn't keep him in line. And, you know, he wasn't ready for the NFL corners matching up against him. He was our best weapon. Uh, that excuse kind of goes out the window last year for Kyle Pitts since he's got a year in the system. He's got other good well, players. Well, he did have 1,000 yards as a rookie. Right. I want to exactly. make sure we don't ever forget that. Exactly. Uh, but Brock Bowers – because of what he's shown this year, he's proving that I will not only grit it out on the edge of the line and be an inline blocker for my team when we run the ball, but I'll be such a threat doing that that when we go play action, teams won't know what to do with me. And that's going to lead to a lot of big plays and games that look a little bit like this. So... Uh, Brock Bowers, top five dynasty tight end. Let's just 
let's just keep her there for now. Okay, we'll keep her, <laughs> we'll keep them there for now. But yeah, I mean, Laporta is a product of not only talent. Laporta is the goat. I, he is the goat. It's a but it's a product of not only talent but situation. That is the epitome of a perfect marriage. You got to have both to be an instant impact player. In most cases, you got to have both to be the player that we think you can be. Right. There are a handful of guys that can transcend any situation, any level of talent around them. Most players, you blend the situation and the talent, and that's how you get these stars. Bowers might be situation proof, but I'm not going to – I'm not going to say any tight end is situation. Right. It's, it's hard to say that definitively um, until we see exactly what the situation is, but certainly the excitement is only building with Brock Bowers right now. It's true. I mean, he's just such an animal. So we, it's been a theme through five weeks thus far that running backs have been few and far between. And we led the show with one of them, one of our higher-ranked guys coming into the year with Trey Benson. But I'm starting to find, Colin, that as we get a little bit deeper into this college football season, that there are some running back names that are emerging, for me at least, that I wasn't aware of, expecting before the season. And maybe... These are the players that will make this a good class. After all, uh, we featured Marshawn Lloyd last week. He got a badge. He had another solid effort this week as well. But that is not the player I'm giving a badge to this week. I am giving the patience is a virtue badge to Jonathan Brooks, the successor to Bijan Robinson in the Texas backfield. Jonathan Brooks is a player that has been having a very, very fine stretch of games here, and we are finally getting him on the program. I've been a little bit hesitant to get him here because he is a third-year player, uh, four-star recruit in 2021. So technically, as of right now, he is a redshirt sophomore. Those players very hit or miss will he declare will he come back I think in this environment with this running back group and obviously this is only speculative based on what we've seen from some of these guys through five weeks six weeks I think in a down yeah (laughs) in a down maybe down class that's very asterisk put that on there but We might see some of these players that are emerging like Jonathan Brooks take advantage and enter their names into the hat this year. And he's having too good of a season, Colin, for me to ignore him any longer. This week against Oklahoma, it was an unfortunate result for Texas, but it was the fourth straight 100-plus yard rushing game for Jonathan Brooks. He had 129 yards on 22 carries in this one with a touchdown um and honestly like didn't watch the full tape but from what i watched from all of the big plays and and most of the rushes that he had he had a lot of stuff that made me excited about him as an nfl player 
we have patience, vision, burst, long speed. I mean, he had really the whole grab bag. And the reason I'm singling out the patience with my badge this week is because, man, he is just, there is a very fine line. And we've talked about this before between a patient runner and an indecisive runner. And Jonathan Brooks, to me, is the definition of a patient runner. He's not sitting back there. He's not waiting for things to materialize. He's not waiting to pick his spot. He knows how the run is going to develop, and he picks his spot very strategically. And then he turns on the juice and gets to where he needs to go in a very quick way. So his touchdown run, I saw a lot of those traits on that run alone. The patient specifically stood out and makes me really excited for what this player could be in this class. Jonathan Brooks has a ton of juice. That is what I noticed when I watched him. It's like you obviously when you watch Texas, you think of Bichon. It's impossible not to because yeah. that's what we were doing all of last year. And so you, you get on the hand the ball off, and it's a little disappointing that it's not number five. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not disappointing that it is number 24 because Jonathan Brooks put some fun stuff on tape. And like you said, there is a lot to like, and there's not a ton to dislike, honestly. that That's what I appreciate most is that, it feels like he does a lot of the little things well, and then he breaks one. And that's what you're seeing with these big games. I mean, the Kansas game, I flirted with giving him a badge last week because it was like, oh, my God, like this is just gaudy. And then he comes back and does it again in the Red River. Yeah. 218. Goal. 218 in that Kansas game last week with two touchdowns. Yeah. So uh, now, now we're coming back, and he's putting together some some of these big, big games with consistency, and he's breaking these, you know, these long plays with consistency. Uh, and you're seeing a guy that could just be a real player and could be a stud for the foreseeable future. And what you mentioned, I totally agree with. It's like we came into this year with an expectation of the top five. And some of those guys have been good enough to retain a position in that top five, but some of them have not. And there have been guys that have, that were not on the radar before the season that have impressed and moved their names into that conversation. So there's a world where maybe two of those top five that we had preseason are still in the top five come midseason yeah it's a situation where you kind of and this is very unlike last year mm -hmm. kind of relearn what you think you knew about a class and start to really identify okay maybe maybe these aren't the guys maybe it's a guy who's emerging like Jonathan Brooks a player who obviously was behind Bijan last year he did play a bit his true freshman year but ended up redshirting I, I still don't understand how any of that works because he plays in 2021, but then he's technically redshirt freshman the next year. I'm not going to get into the redshirt rules here, yeah. but uh, 
he's behind Bijan, obviously last year, specifically in a year where he was playing a little bit and uh, you're not going to get a lot of run in that backfield. So this is his first real opportunity to show I am Jonathan Brooks. This is what I can do. And he's running away with that opportunity and his first real chance at it. So um, like you said, Four runs in this game of 15-plus yards. He's got 10 of those on the year. He's got breakaway ability. He's He does a lot of the little things well, and he is on his way to being maybe one of those players that you, that you talked about as a top player in this class. Let's talk about a player that is a no-doubt top player in this class, Colin. Let's do it. Let's talk about Malik Neighbors again. Because I really love this player. And he had 146 yards on six catches and a touchdown against Mizzou. And this was a good game, top to bottom. I mean, I was keeping an eye on uh, trying to, like, it's hard to juggle so all these games. And so you're checking scores, seeing which ones you got to tune into. And I'm like, oh, my God, Mizzou's a big, where, where, what's going on here? And so you tune in. Uh, but at the end of the day, LSU gets a win, and that's thanks in no small part to Malik Neighbors, who was dominant, and he is getting the field stretcher badge because of what he can do down the field. And he had, I mean, he it seems like he has one of these a game, maybe two of these a game, but this marks four straight games with 100-plus yards, uh, one of those 239 against Mississippi State, which we have already covered in depth in our week three badge uh, handout. But this week, he had an out and up where the defense, I mean, I don't know what happened. I don't know if the, he broke the brain. I don't know if he just hid in somebody's blind spot. Uh, but he runs past the flat defender, goes out to the sideline, goes up the side, and then goes up the sideline. And the safety just never had the chance to, to get him. It never took the angle. And, uh, Malik Neighbors is cementing himself up in the, the top because, again, you talk about the slow start, and it wasn't like a slow start where, but, you know, he didn't have that big game in the first couple weeks. You know, he thought maybe against Grambling State he'd have some big game. Uh, didn't do it. And then he starts to rack up some big numbers. So now, you know, set him and forget him. Him and – Marvin up at the top of this wide receiver class and Keon Coleman's up there. You know, we got, we feel good about this wide receiver class in, uh, you know, comparison to the running back class where we have no idea what we're doing there. So, uh, yeah, Malik neighbors. I love this player. He's a fun guy. See, and it's funny because you say, you know, set him and forget him. wide receiver two. He did not come into the season as wide receiver two for the both of us. And I think we're at a point right now where it's becoming so apparent that this is the wide receiver two in this draft class that it almost feels like that's the way that it's always been. Because what he is doing, specifically in the last four weeks, is putting himself on a different level. And there's a lot of these guys. I mean, we've talked about how deep and how strong this wide receiver group is, especially on the top end. And even with that group, with the Keon Coleman's, with the Romo Dunzes, with 
Emeka Egbuka. All those names, Malik Neighbors is still proving that he belongs in that seat right behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, just and and the steps forward that he's taken. I mean, we saw you know the flashes last year of a player that could become something really really special, and he is doing all of that right now. And this was this game was probably the best wide receiver duel maybe we'll see all season with neighbors against Luther Burden Jr. who yeah. will be most likely the wide receiver one next year, if not 101. We'll see when we get there. But uh, incredible stuff from these two players in this game, and neighbors is up first in 2024, and he's looking sharp as hell. Hey, part of the reason that I want to talk about Malik Neighbors <laughs> do some 2025 Burden, smuggling. <laughs> Luther Burden, man. I mean, good gravy. That guy moves different than yep. all, anybody else. <laughs> like the ball in his hands, he is just shifty. I mean, good lord, that that's a fun player to watch. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on him for next year. All right. We have a couple more badges this week, and I'm sticking on the subject of wide receivers. And like Malachi Corley earlier in the program, here's another name that has only made an appearance this season in the summertime, but he's coming out getting his first badge of 2023, and that is Jacob Cowing from Arizona, a player that we thought might be in the 2022 draft class he got at least a badge maybe two last year from us was expecting some big things from cowing this year especially some more targets available in that offense with dorian singer transferring to usc but it has not been uh statistically the season that i was expecting from cowing uh he has had at least 12 targets in the last five weeks but that is not translating to big time receiving numbers. So it's kind of been a question of, you know, what is this player? What can we project him to be? Well, whatever that may end up being, this was an incredible performance against USC in a game that it looked like Arizona was going to steal for a little while there. USC comes back, wins in triple overtime, but Jacob Cowing had four touchdowns in this game on 10 catches 88 yards i mean he is getting an oldie but a a goodie for me it's the mr touchdown badge for jacob cowing this week because he was uh along with tetaroa mcmillan who's another 2025 guy that we can talk about next year uh fueling this potential upset for arizona yeah i mean we this this USC Arizona game was one that was on the TV, but unfortunately, when you work at four thirty in the morning, the uh, Pac twelve after dark is you didn't not, stay up for three overtimes. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't quite make it through that one. I you know I had to pin my eyelids back <laughs> to try to make it through, but uh, you you flip it on the day after, and it's like oh yeah, Jacob Cowling, man, I that's a name I've not heard. In a long time, <laughs> but he was just a, putting on a clinic 
getting into the end zone. And I did think for a while that he was going to be the bane of USC, that he was going to put them out of the top 10, that he was going to, you know, unseat Caleb Williams and company. Because, I mean, Arizona got up big early and I didn't know if USC was going to be able to climb out of the hole because – I mean, that defense is not good, man. So it's hard to hold or to, to come back when you can't get a stop. And it's hard to get a stop when you got a guy like number two sitting across from you who runs clean routes and is getting wide open in the end zone four times in this game. So uh, not a bad showing from Jacob Cowing. Definitely a name that I'm not going to forget. Uh, and like you said, He's gotten a ton of targets, 66 targets already on the season. And it's only 8.7 yards per reception, which is by far his career low. Because his career low before that is 12.2. So he's almost three and a half. He's about three and a half yards short of his lowest. So uh, they got a, you know... He's he was on the same team last year. It's a, it should be he's running pretty much the same scheme as he ran last year. It's just they're not getting him the ball in the right spots. He's not getting as much done after the catch as you would like him to. Uh, so hopefully he can get a little more depth of target to get that that number up a little bit. And you see that number sh- shoot up. You see those yards numbers shoot up, and he'll be right back to where he was. Yeah, to me, Cowing is just a ripe choice for a senior bowl sort of player. Right. And I, we, I think we even talked about that in the summer, likening him to somebody like Jaden Reed, who statistically was not always, you know, piling it on week to week, but you get him in an environment like the senior bowl and you kind of see the skills that he has in different areas of the field as a wide receiver. I think that could be what we're in store for with Cowing just because, I mean, you just every time we talk about him and he comes up, it's like you watch some of the routes that he's running. It's just clean. It's just so clean. It is clean. The the fourth touchdown and second, third overtime, whichever one it was, it was like a little shake where he like does a little like slant and then he kind of does like a double, like, am I going to do the, am I going to do a whip? Am I, what am I going to do? And then he just keeps that route going and totally, you know, gain separation on the, on the, I believe the safety was, was playing the, the zone there. So, I mean, it's just, it's clean stuff from him and, you know, I don't know what the, what the production woes are all about here, but I'm excited to, dive in to the film after this year it's very much a no wasted motion kind of player yeah that's what i like about cowing yep everything is compact smooth crisp not doing a whole lot of extra extracurricular activities i love that yeah all right let's do it one more badge for week six so we talked about arizona usc and we talked about Jake Cowing, and on the other side of that game is Caleb Williams. He's been the quarterback of the year so far. I'm not talking about him today. I'm talking about the other quarterback that went absolutely nuts, and that is Drake May, who played Syracuse this week. And he put on an absolute clinic. 
I mean, he had 47 attempts, 33 completions, good for 70%, and three tuts. This was his by far his best game, and I'm not talking about the stats. He was putting it through windows. Uh, he had what I believe was a 77-yard touchdown where he manipulated the safety with his eyes and delivered a bomb in stride to don't remember the receiver because I'm a bad journalist. <laughs> uh, but, man, he was just putting the ball exactly where he wanted it whenever he wanted to, threading needles, uh, putting touch on the ball. I mean, I – so – this was my question that I wanted to save for later is in a super flex draft. We're talking Caleb Williams one oh one, obviously. But the one oh two is the question for me. Between Marvin and Drake May. And obviously there's a lot of variables that go into who you're gonna draft. But in a vacuum, you know, startup, let's say, you're you're picking between Marvin Harrison or Drake May? I think you go Marvin Harrison, but I think there's an argument for Drake May. Yeah, I. Mm, that's a hard question for me to answer because I don't play Superflex and I'm not as dialed in on the dynamics of value with yeah. some of these guys. My gut instinct is to say Drake May. Okay. Like Caleb, Drake. Marvin Harrison. Right. Maybe that's irresponsible, but I don't th- think it's irresponsible at all. It's it's just it's a product of how I feel about this player as a quarterback prospect. I mean, he is Drake May is getting overshadowed in a class because of the player that's on top in Caleb right. Williams. And we talked about this in the summer when we broke it down quarterbacks. It's not he's not a number 2. He's a number one. This is a number one overall pick in many other instances. He would have been the number one overall pick last year. And the year before that? Probably, yeah, easily the year before that when there were no quarterbacks. And then, you know, you're getting into conversations with some really top names where it's like, where does Drake May land on that? He's showing this year that last year was, you know, it, it was, he was everything that, he was cracked up to be the, the film, the red shirt freshman tape, you know, are we going to see some regression out of this player? Cause we've seen it before these young players, you get, you know, you get the, the, the crown put on you early and then things kind of unravel a little bit. Expectations get a little higher. He has not unraveled in any capacity and he's an, actually only getting better as this season is going on. We talked about, you know, some early turnover struggles for him in the first three games. He hasn't had a pick since week, th- since week three at this point. And this game, like you said, uh, his best game of the season, statistically on film, you know, all of that. He looked incredible in this game and he's showing why he is, the caliber of prospect that we thought he was. And he had three designed runs for 60 yards and one touchdown on the ground. Uh, That is in addition to nine scrambles, 
which are undesigned runs for 18 first downs. Is that right? Can that, that seems even... like an absurdly high number. I well, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the number you're looking at. It says 18. That there's no way he had, he got 20 first downs on the ground against Minnesota. Anyway, no. he had nine <laughs> scrambles, which uh, I just wanted to go into. He was a very he's a very good player on the ground as well. <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> Did he pass for 18 first downs? I'm assuming that's total first total downs first accounted downs. for. Yeah, I don't like that. It's right next to scrambles. Right. It's, make, that's, it's that's confusing, confusing. but PFF, see, here's, you. you know, as long as we're talking some ish, I, I referenced the PFF grade last week for the first time in probably a full year. Yeah. I don't know why. Since the Quinn and Williams incident. Yeah. Since that whole debacle. And I don't know why. And I immediately regretted it. And now I'm looking at this and PFF has this week graded his as game. his worst game of the season. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, there, there is no reason for me to ever reference this grade. It's it actually only making me look worse as a person. It's because he's even talking about it. He fumbled, and so now he's bad. Right. That's why so he has a bad yeah. pass grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's just big-time throw after big-time throw on Drake May's tape. And then he also can – he's very productive on the ground. And he uses it only when necessary but on designed runs he is very good and he's really really good very savvy around the goal line in passing situations and rushing situations because you saw in uh, what was it week three i believe he had the left-handed touchdown pass and then in this game he had another little shovel pass rolling out right uh that he scored a touchdown on and then he had the rushing touchdown so there's a lot of ways that he can get the ball into the end zone and that is what matters at the end of the day when it comes to you know the little notification you get from sleeper when it says Drake may to the end zone touchdown yep. and that gives you that little serotonin hit it sure does man <laughs> he's gonna be doing that a lot yeah. for somebody next year all right that is week six of college football, at least the good news side of things. There is one last order of business for week six, and it is time to make the call home. And we're still talking about quarterbacks because one of the guys who was top five for both of us coming into this season, but a player that maybe left a little bit to be desired on his 2022 film. That is Quinn Ewers. And to be quite honest with you, Quinn Ewers was having, is having a better season than last year. All things considered, what I've seen from Ewers thus far this year says that he has taken some steps in the right direction, but there are still plenty of moments on Ewers film thus far where you kind of sit there scratching your head a little bit and wanting more. And I think this week 
we're making the call home. They lose this game against Oklahoma, and it it just it started with absolute chaos, and it started with Ewers. We have two interceptions in this game. We had a fumble in this game, lots of turnovers, and you know the end stat line ends up looking okay, I guess. 336 yards on 30 completions for one, and one touchdown. I mean, it, it was it, they made it a game. He got them into the game. But I think what we saw this week were a lot of the things that it makes it difficult for me to put Ewers into a conversation that I think some other people are already putting him in. I, I 100% agree. I mean, the game against Kansas, he looked pretty good. And that is like, there was a, a minute there where I had a, a gleam of hope where I was like, oh, is this a Quinn Ewers we're going to see the rest of the year? And then the next week in their biggest game of the season so far, it kind of didn't look so good. And like you said, the, the final stat line ends up looking pretty nice, but you just are not seeing the amount of growth you want to see in a young quarterback like this. Like you want to see year to year, big jumps where last year he's looking like, you know, a solid quarterback with some highlights and some lowlights. And this year, I think you're seeing the same thing where you're seeing a solid quarterback with some highlights, some, some big boy throws that he can make every once in a while. And then just some bonehead plays where he's just throwing it right to the other team. And so I, I think it's, it's about that time. Like you said, it's time to call home where got to talk to the Ewers family and say, Hey, I, you know, the, the kid has the talent. He has the arm talent. We see the flashes, but we need a little more discipline. We need a little more consistency out of him. We need to see it. He needs to do the, the small stuff. You know, we get the, the big displays. We the, chick dig, the chicks dig the long ball, but we just need him to do all of the, the small stuff in between. And the long ball has been one of his major issues this year i mean he's got that arm talent he's got the ability to flick the wrist send it downfield but the accuracy down the field is still a major question mark and that was one of the biggest question marks from 2022 with him as well so take a layup man right and the growth that like you said we want to see you need to see growth out of this player i think we've seen a little bit of it but we haven't seen enough to where this could be a first-round quarterback. At least that's some of the conversations that he's a part of right now in terms of the overall talent. But when we talk about Williams, when we talk about May in terms of a one-quarterback situation, if this player goes top 10, he's not getting drafted even in the same realm as those two guys are in one quarterback, in my opinion. So, J.J. McCarthy... I, there needs to be a conversation. I don't want Sometimes have I'm glad right we now. don't talk about quarterbacks that often here because God, this year I the just, discourse is running rampant. I, I think, just saw and someone's like, J.J. McCarthy is the top 10 
pick in the NFL. And I'm like, have we lost our minds? Or is there no shame left in the world? Anyway, same same goes for Quinn Ewers. Especially in a deep quarterback class. Like, too. What are we it's talking just, there's about? There's a lot man. of names here, and I don't know. Unless Michael Penix is up there, then J.J. McCarthy shouldn't be anywhere near there. Amen to that. Quinn Ewers will stare down a receiver and throw a pick right to a DB. All right, let's not put him in this kind of conversation because he takes his first read. Whatever Steve Sarkeesian says in the helmet while he's doing this, that's what he's doing. And uh, it doesn't seem like it's working out every time. Did you say that to his parents when you called them? No, that's after I hung up. I <laughs> okay. They just don't hung need to up hear that. That's that's in the cabin. That's yeah. that doesn't leave these yep. walls. I get it. All right. Well, you know what time it is. Let's gather around the campfire and recollect on the campers of old. It's time for all grown up. So we've been doing a lot of talking. Campfire, it's warm, it's fuzzy, makes you happy. We've been talking a lot about good news. We've been talking about value spikes, Achan, Richardson, all of these guys that are performing extremely. I get it. AC joint. No, gonna... no. I So we use keep trade cut. Yes. For our crowdsourced dynasty rankings. Right. And I just opened it up for the campfire. Mm-hmm. And my keep trade cut oh. is Marcus Mariota, Demarcus Robinson, and Kyle Allen. I And I'm like, what are we doing Can here, you guys? cut all of them? <laughs> yeah, can I just <laughs> list them all as cut? Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry for interrupting with that, but... No, I am that's also okay. very sad about that. Was very unfortunate. I've never yeah. seen one that bad, honestly, <laughs> in my life. But it also hurts that Anthony Richardson got the AC joint. It does, but it's it's been good news mostly, and for a lot of campers from last year. But I want to talk about at least one, maybe two campers that have not necessarily had the best start to their NFL careers. And the first name I want to bring up, because we haven't talked about him at all, and it's time to talk about Zach Charbonnet. Because this was a Camp Dynasty favorite. He was an icon of this program last year. When he went to the Seahawks, we did drop him in our rankings, but we didn't drop him that far. And... I think it's time to have a conversation about what is going on in Seattle and what it means and what we're thinking about Zach Charbonnet five weeks into his NFL career. I think this also has to do with, I mean, this is all going to be linked in the end with Charbonnet, Ken Walker, and JSN. Because I feel like we're, I mean, obviously they're all Seahawks. That's why they're connected. But the the Charbonnet thing is 
kind of what we were worried about when we talked about it in the preseason. You know, we were talking about, you know, what if Ken Walker's just a lead back and Charbonnet ends up being a change of pace guy. And that seems to be how they've been deploying him. And it's it's hard to talk about it right after the bye week because the Seahawks just had their bye and we don't get to see what their latest deployment of them is and if there's any development. But as of last week, it, Ken Walker looked real good. And, I mean, you got to play your best players if you're a coach. And while Zach Charbonnet has also looked good, you err on the side of the guy with one year of experience that can also hit the home run. You know? So... I, that the to me, that's why you're seeing what you're seeing so far, and it hasn't changed a ton in terms of his value. It's pretty steady line with a couple dips, uh, but I I don't think that it should change very much. The people that are holding are gonna hold. The people that are selling have already sold. The people that are that are were buying already bought. Uh, but what are what are you feeling? I know that you are uh, you're in love with Zach Charbonnet. I mean, yeah, I I one of my monikers in draft season and working through towards the end of season one Camp Dynasty was that the Charbonnet pick was worse news for Ken Walker than it was for Charbonnet. I I pretty sure I straight out said I will die on this hill. And I think I we we preach don't overreact, don't do this. But at some point in time, you you also kind of gotta you gotta take a step back, and you gotta think about things. And what I'm starting to think with this backfield is that the best case scenario might just be that it's a lose lose for both players. That's that's where I'm at because. Ken Walker, who is an extremely talented player, he was my RB1 in that class. I, I have no disrespect towards that player. When I say things about Charbonnet like that, it's just I had a lot of confidence in this player's ability as well, and I think th- the answer is they're both really good. <laughs> and that is going to make it very hard for both of them to have big-time fantasy roles as long as they're both in the same backfield and Ken Walker has fended off you know Charbonnet hasn't gotten super involved yet but Ken Walker has been you know buoying his his totals on a week-to-week basis he's looking great still but as Charbonnet gets mixed in more I think we work towards a scenario where both of these guys just take a little bit of a hit on a week-to-week basis and that is what it looks like the 50-50 split is what we were worried about and it might be trending in that direction and the result could be whoever scores a touchdown is the guy to own that week the guy to start that week and that would be the unfortunate outcome but it seems like it might be the likely outcome uh and i want to talk about jsn also because that's another guy that has seen an actual pretty severe value drop in terms of KTC. Uh, You see positional ranking 
in the preseason. He was Dynasty wide receiver 11. As of today, he's Dynasty wide receiver 21. So that's the big question where people are like, ah, oh, he's got no A dot, you know, he's not being utilized in this offense. He's behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But let's pump the brakes a little bit because they're not playing any three wide receiver sets. That's the thing here with Seattle is both of their tackles get hurt early in the season. They have to play multiple tight end sets to support their hurt O-line. So they can't bring another wide receiver on the field. Obviously, they're going to play DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett before Jackson Smith and Jigba gets on the field, unfortunately, but that's the reality of the situation. So why are we getting off of JSN? What are what, Why are we selling JSN? He hasn't done anything wrong other than not get utilized in year one with two very talented wide receivers on this team. Like, we knew who there were before the season when he got drafted in the first round. What are we doing? What are we doing? See, that's what I'm saying. Like, we, t- we talk about patience. That's a big thing here. Be patient with your young players. Charbonnet is a case of adjusting expectations, saying, okay, maybe – I need to be more realistic about what this is. JSN is a player whose situation has not changed in any fashion. And in fact, the expectations for us were were that this was not going to be a year that he was productive. Like, we said that going into this year. This is not the year. If Tyler Lockett is in place there and DK is still the guy... It's not. We're not going to get a ton of JSN targets immediately in this offense. This is a long game. This is a long game with JSN, and the fact that you know you talk about his his overall drop in terms of dynasty wide receivers. I'm just looking at rookie rankings, and he has fallen on KTC to the fifth ranked rookie from this class, behind Jordan Addison. So you're, you're now adjusting to a world where Addison is producing, which is exactly what we expected, and JSN's not producing, again, what we expected. But people see production, and they say, I want that player. Yep. And I would trade Jordan Addison straight up for JSN at this very second in time. No doubt about it. Well, I... I seems like you might be an outlier in that case seems uh, that way apparently people are getting off of their jsn um the other guy that you brought up that i want to talk about is anthony richardson it's a sad day (laughs) man (laughs) i'm just sad i i saw the tweet or the post, I guess. No, it's a tweet. I saw the tweet that was like, he's speed running Cam Newton's career. Yeah. I don't like that. I mean, yeah. But I, get down, man. Like, get down. Like, he, yeah. he took that hit. He leaned into that hit. That's what I'm saying. That's two of the three injuries that he sustained in this season. It is week five. Two of the three injuries that he sustained this season are because he initiated contact with the defender. Yep. That's just, it's not responsible. It's 
it's not. And listen, this is the this is the craziest of of everything with the 2022 guy, 2023 guys. This might be the craziest thing, not including Puka Nakua, because that's just like that's, outer, outer yeah. space bonkers. Yeah. The craziest thing for me to watch so far through five weeks is that Anthony Richardson is currently the third rank, third highest ranked rookie in dynasty in one quarterback in dynasty right that's now. That's insane. It is. Bijan, it is Gibbs, and it is Richardson ahead of all of the wide receivers. So his value has exploded. People are all in on this player. He needs to stay healthy, though. This yep. is a huge issue. And we, you know, you talk about it. Anybody, you know, you talk about running quarterbacks, get down, stop taking hits. Yep. It's happening. Yep, and the, it's it sucks because it's like he's average. It's he's on like a twenty nine point per game projected average, I guess you could say, because he has played. He's played like one full game, and if he played every full game, he'd be averaging twenty nine points per game, and that would be the best quarterback in fantasy football. So, like, it's there, but the problem is he's trying to finish runs through people. And while you are the most physically gifted quarterback of all time, it's still... You're still a quarterback. You're still a fragile human, and... I understand you're 21 years old and you're not thinking about the consequences of your actions, <laughs> but man, you are the Colts franchise quarterback. You are what they've been waiting for since Andrew Luck retired. And you have looked every part of a franchise quarterback. Now, chill out, go out of bounds, slide, whatever you got to do. Not every play is going to be a touchdown. Live to see the next play. And I can't wait to see that because now we gotta wait four more, four to six more weeks until we see this guy playing football again. And he was one of the stories of the season because we were talking before the year: is he gonna be ready? Is he gonna be able to play year one? And he walks in and he has a firm understanding of how to play the quarterback position. Clearly. Uh, and I, I mean, obviously he's not perfect. We, we all know that, but he's damn good. And now we're sitting at four to six weeks of the sprained AC joint. Not ideal. You want to talk about some good news? I do. That'd be great. I Let's talk about an IDP because this, I, I, I still love IDPs. Do you I still do love IDPs? Yeah, yeah, I tried really hard to find an IDP. I almost talked about Cedric Gray today. He had seven tackles and a sack. Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. IDPs are still a very important part of Camp Dynasty, and they will become even more and more important in the postseason process, I think. But one player from 2023 that I need to talk about right now is Jalen Carter. Oh, man. Because I overthought Jalen Carter from Me an too. IDP perspective. I really did. Like, 
IDLs, man. Yeah, that's exactly it. When we did our initial, you know, 2.0 IDP scouting, Jalen Carter was my number two IDP in the class because he was the best defensive player in the class, in my opinion. Defensive tackle or not, I'm like, we got a lot of tackles, you know, starting at the top with Aaron Donald, but then cascading into the Jeffrey Simmons, Dexter Lawrence, Deron Payne, Christian Wilkins. You have a lot of these guys who are fantasy relevant right now, even if you aren't exclusively starting D-tackle in your D-line spots. Jalen Carter was the next in line, and he was a natural fit at that because he was the best player, maybe, in the entire draft class. And I overthought it. I overcorrected. I put some linebackers ahead of him. And, man, he is looking like the guy that he was supposed to be and he is fantasy relevant five games into his nfl career yeah i i don't know what i expected out of jalen carter but i mean it obviously was not this or else i wouldn't have been so blase about ranking him where i was ranking him because he is very clearly one of the best IDP assets to come out of the 2023 class sitting I mean last week against the Rams he had two sacks and he just looked completely dominant while he was doing it I I don't know if he was inspired by seeing number 99 across the field from him and being like you know what that's that's the guy we look up to as I interior defense alignment is is Aaron Donald so I got a show out today, but, uh, I mean, he's having a fantastic season. Every every game, the clip gets posted. I, no matter what, he just does something absurd where he's putting on some power or finesse move on a poor center that, you know, he snaps the ball, looks up, and it's like, oh, God, <laughs> here we go. I got to do this 60 times this game. And uh, he's doing a pretty darn good job. Lesson learned for me in this case, don't (laughs) ignore generational talents at any position. Do not discount any player based on, oh, he's an interior lineman. Oh, he's this. No. Rank those players high, get them on your team, and profit. Uh, He's a slow guy from BYU. (laughs) (laughs) where did we go wrong in the process for i don't know i'm asking myself that question every single week i can tell you that well i'll just we'll say it's an outlier and move on (laughs) right you just move on oh no of course that was never supposed to happen uh we didn't that's not our fault but all right that is week five of the nfl all grown up watching our beloved 2023 campers blossoming flourishing in the nfl it is a special special time but uh also incredibly excited about this 2024 group guys that we talked about today and beyond a lot of exciting names in this class man and it, and like i said it's only getting clearer and clearer every week starting to understand each position group, starting to understand expectations for some of these players and what it might look like come dynasty draft season. So if 
you enjoyed our conversation this week about week six in college football and beyond, uh, be sure to find us on X at camp underscore dynasty and TikTok at camp dot dynasty. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel where video feeds of the pods will go up every single week. Uh, and of course, like rate, subscribe, review, share, uh, follow other various forms of interaction with the podcast feed, which is still the bread and butter here at camp dynasty. So uh, thanks for listening this week. Thank you. Copy and paste. I don't know. Whatever else you can do. Yeah. Appreciate you guys coming by <laughs> and let us know. Too. Email. Yeah. To your friends. Do it. <laughs> drop that link in an email do like a viral email chain like yeah, send this it, to 10 friends or the pale lady with the black hair is gonna find you in the night that's right can we get those chains going again because those traumatized me when i was 10 years old put it on your facebook and say if you don't like and share and subscribe to camp dynasty your I saw you go into a dark place there. I, didn't I saw want, it in I your didn't eyes. want to do that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>